Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special New Year's message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Philippians chapter 3, get your pen, get your pad. First sermon of the new year. Good to be in church. It's what, you know, I always like to uh, be doing in the beginning of the year what I plan to do throughout the years. And so we want to be in church. Somebody say amen. We want to be in the word of God. Say it better. Amen. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Let me have your attention, if you will. And you at home, Twas the week after Christmas, and all through the house, nothing would fit me, not even a blouse. The cookies I'd nibble, the eggnog I'd taste at the holiday parties had gone to my waist. When I got on the scales, there rose such a number. When I walked to the store, less a walk than a lumber. I'd rather I remember the marvelous meals I'd prepare, the gravies and sauces, and beef nicely rare, the wine and the rum balls, the bread and the cheese, and the way I'd never said no thank you, please. As I dressed myself in my husband's old shirt and prepared once again to do battle with dirt, I said to myself, as, I only, as only I can, you can't spend the winter disguised as a man. So away with the last of the sour cream dip, get rid of the fruitcake, every cracker and chip, Every last bit of food that I'd like must be banished till all the additional pounds have vanished. I won't have a cookie, not even a lick. I'll only chew on long celery sticks. I won't have the hot biscuits or cornbread or pie. I'll munch on a carrot and quietly cry. I'm hungry, I'm lonesome, I'm lonesome and, and, and life is a bore. But isn't that what January is for? Unable to giggle, no longer a riot. Happy New Year to all and to all a good diet. I love that I get to read it in New Year's. So we come to the end of 2020. And yesterday I'm musing over my thoughts regarding 2020. And well, yesterday or Friday. And... I mentioned that uh, I don't think 2020 was such a bad year. I really don't. Uh, You know what? Life is all a matter of perspective. I'm trying to help you listen up. Life is a matter of perspective. I don't think 2020 was such a bad year. As a matter of fact, I'd venture to say as a pastor, I grew more in 2020 than in the last 24 years. Praise God. That's the wonderful thing. And, and so many ways, so many ways that, that, that I have grown, I don't want to take the time to uh, tell you today. Uh, I do recognize that 2020 
has been a tumultuous year, if you will. Uh, we've seen terrorism in the streets of our country, racism on full display. We've seen bitterness and anger between friends and family. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Between friends and family, some have suffered the death of loved ones. For the first time in most of our lives, we've lived through a pandemic. Things change. People change. Countries change. Leaders change. Husbands, wives, kids, they change. But God never changes. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. God never changes. The word of God says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he never changes. We call that the immutability of God. There's your word for today. The immutability of God, meaning he never changes. As Christians, our lives and pursuits should never change. We should always be seeking Jesus, right? New Year's resolution for the Christian should be real simple. Seek him more. That's a New Year's resolution for the Christian. Seek him more. This morning, I want to talk to you about, and here's where I want you to take your pen and take your pad. I want to talk to you about God's plan and God's purpose, not just in 2021, but forever. And I'm going to give you four points this morning. We'll talk about them and then we'll let you go. God's plan and purpose for your life. Number one, God's plan and purpose for your life is personal. Write that down. Personal. And number two, God's plan and purpose for your life is physical. Number three, God's plan and purpose for your life is productive. And finally, number four is prestigious. God's plan and purpose for your life is personal, physical, I'll explain, productive, and prestigious. Personal, physical, productive, and prestigious. And we'll talk about those four points this morning. All right. Philippians chapter 3, saints, let's get to it. Philippians chapter 3 And we're going to look at verses 12 through 14. Really easy today. Philippians chapter 3. We're looking at verse 12. If you're looking at verse 12, say amen. Amen. Uh, If you're looking at verse 12, say a hearty amen. amen. Thank you. Now that not that I in verse 12 have already attained Paul, the apostle writing to the church of Philippi, not that I've already attained or am already perfected. But I do what, saints? Press on that I might lay, watch it, lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren and sistering, don't want to leave the ladies out. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, underline that in your neighbor's Bible. One thing I do. Forgetting those, come on, read it with me. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. These verses in verses 12 through 14 are um, nostalgic for me because I remember, oh, I don't know, honey, was that... It was that 87, 89, we were in, was it Ensenada, Mexico, uh, down at that orphanage? Do you remember that? Was that Ensenada, Mexico? Down, what is it called? Rosarita, Mexico. It was beautiful, I remember that. 
So we're at this orphanage. And you remember this? We're at this orphanage. I wasn't a Bible teacher at the time. I don't even think I knew the difference between an epistle and an apostle. So they asked me, whoever it was, what I teach. And the kids and the adults, you know, what I teach. And I just remember, you know, I, I had never really taught, not really like that. And anybody know that feeling like first time, like teaching something to someone? And I was so overwhelmed. I didn't know what to teach. I remember opening up this passage and I taught. And after I was done, I thought, I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> I don't think I'm that bad, actually. It wasn't bad. It was really, really good. So at least I thought, I don't know, maybe they didn't think so. And, uh, but this particular passage just brings back uh, memories uh, for me. So Paul the Apostle, he says, I, not that I've already attained. He's talking about pressing toward the goal. This is a great sermon for New Year's Day or New Year's uh, beginning. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected. Okay, saints, let's back up to move forward a little bit. As Paul is penning, penning this epistle as he is chained to a Roman guard in prison in Philippi. And Paul, context, is waiting for trial. And he's about to stand before Caesar, not knowing whether he'll be beheaded or befriended by Caesar. Now, before Paul, and I think Bible students, you know this, before Paul became a Christian, he was a law-abiding Jew. Paul was a God-fearing Jew who learned to trust in his achievements for salvation. On, one, on, on Paul's achievement ledger, if you will, on, on the, in the prophet column, was all the things that he thought made him right with God. But then how many of you know in Acts chapter 9, as Paul is on the road to Damascus to kill women and children who are Christians and men, to kill the Christians, Jesus interrupted him. Remember? And the Bible tells us that he fell to the ground and he saw a bright light. Uh, you, you look at the cartoons for the kids, he, he falls off a horse. You ever see that? Like, I like the cartoons. And, and he falls off a horse. Well, that's not quite biblical, but okay, fine. He falls to the ground and he hears a voice and, and it's Jesus who says, Saul, Saul. At that time, his name was Saul. Why persecutest thou me? And from that point on, his life was changed. At that point on, he was transferred, uh, uh, transformed, and, 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 and transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, and, and transformed as he then realizes and he learns that all of his achievements, not only, watch this, do not make him right with God, they actually hinder him from being right with God. And he needed to forget and put those things behind him and receive Christ. Now, I want you to peruse with me in verses 4 through verses 4 through 11. When Paul saw the value of Christ and that salvation was found in Jesus, he took everything that was gained to him and he counted it lost. Peruse, peruse with me 4 through 11. In verses 4 through 7, we have a list of exactly what was lost. And then in verses 8 through 11, we, Paul lists exactly what was gained. 4 through 7, what was lost. 8 through 11, what was gained. And Paul gained, are you looking at it? Five things. He gained the knowledge of Christ in verse 8. He gained the righteousness of Christ in verse 9. He gained the power of Christ in verse 10. And the fellowship of Christ in verse 10. 
And then finally, the glory of Christ in verse 10. Paul gained five things in Christ. Now, in verses five through six, go ahead and look there, if you will. Paul gives us his pedigree. He tells us in verse five that he's circumcised the eighth day according to the law. Last week, we talked about the eighth day, didn't we? And we talked about uh, the eighth day was a day of uh, naming and circumcision. It was a day of naming and circumcision. We talked about that. Paul is from the tribe of Benjamin. He is also, look at it in your text, he is also a Hebrew of all Hebrews. Concerning the law and righteousness, he says blameless. That is a huge statement. Paul says he kept the law perfectly. He says, I'm blameless concerning the law. Now let's move forward to point number one. Point number one, God's plan for your life is personal. Look at verse 12 again. Not that I already attain or am already perfect. Now watch this, saints. After all that Paul has gained in coming to Christ, we talked about that. It might lead someone to assume that Paul had reached spiritual perfection. It might lead someone to assume that the beginning for him was also the end. It might lead someone to assume that the start was also the finish for Paul, or that coming to Jesus made him instantaneously perfect, nothing more to pursue. Paul is saying, yes, I have all that God can give, but I'm not perfect. And in verse 12, I press on that I might lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. Paul's saints understood that God had a purpose for his life. And the aim of Paul and the aim of all Christians, listen to me, here it is, is that we are to understand that God has a purpose for our lives. Right. And, and, and our aim should be to press on with the Lord, to press forward, to be determined, resolute, single minded. You know, reminds me of this story of one day a man visited his doctor because he was in excruciating pain. Listen. And the doctor asked him, where does it hurt? And the man answered, all over. Well, the doctor told the man to touch his shoulder. The man touched his shoulder and cried out in pain. Well, next the doctor told him to touch his forehead. The man touched his forehead and cried out in pain again. The doctor told the man to touch his knee. The man touched his knee and he winced in pain. He said, doctor, everywhere I touch, I'm in pain. The doctor thoroughly examined the man and concluded, no wonder you're in pain everywhere you touch. You have a dislocated finger. (laughs) Some of y'all get that on the way home, right? You know, many of us are focused on the wrong stuff in life. Hmm? Focus on our kids, focus on our spouse, focus on job. C-19, the dog, etc. When in fact, saints, listen to me, there is one thing wrong in your life. I'm telling you that there is one thing wrong in your life. And if you correct the one wrong thing, everything else will feel better. And the thing that is wrong is our relationship with Jesus. That's wrong. When you give your life to Jesus and and you give your heart to Jesus, everything changes. Can I get a witness? Am I right about it? Everything changes. It did for me. It did for me 38 years ago 
When I gave my life to Jesus, everything, I mean everything changed. The sky changed, the grass changed, the the dirt changed, everything changed. My heart changed. So the one wrong thing is our relationship with Jesus, like Paul. You are brought into a fellowship with Jesus. Are you listening to me? And you're filled with the Holy Spirit and God gives you purpose at that moment. Paul says, I'm pursuing the thing that Christ pursued me for. Paul says, my goal in life is consistent with with, with Christ's goals for my salvation. Paul says, he saved me for a purpose and his purpose has become my purpose in my spiritual progress. Did y'all hear that? His purpose. Hmm. Becomes my purpose. My purpose is not to become his purpose. Some of y'all looking pretty shocked behind that mask. Your purpose. Look, we are here to obey God. We are we are the sheep of his pasture. You're not God. You're not the shepherd. He is. He's the leader. He's the commander in chief. And our purpose and our progress must be God's purpose. Say amen. Amen. Point number two, God's plan will be physical. God's plan and purpose for your life is physical. Now, I want you to look at your Bibles again. Everybody okay? Say amen. amen. I want you to look at verse 12 again. I Press on, press on, press on has the idea of physical persecution. Actually, it's the Greek word D-I-O-K-O, dioko, D-I-O-K-O. And this word is used 43 times in the New Testament in different forms. Philippians 3, 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. That's pressing the church. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, see that no one render evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. 1 Timothy 6.11, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. All of these verses, saints, imply exertion on your part. All of these verses imply that that you follow after, that you pursue, that you press, or that you spend the energy seeking God. That's something that you do. Now, Christians are really good at praying about stuff. They really are. And everything, we got to pray about it. Well, I'm going to pray about serving the children. Regardless of the fact that I have 12 children, I notice the number keep going up, right? (laughs) That person busy. (laughs) Serving, I got to pray about this and pray about that and, and pray about seeking the Lord and pray about pressing on. No, 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 no. No, the Bible tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We don't pray about pressing on. We press on. It's called exertion. It's called moving forward. It's something that you do, not something that you pray about. And a lot of times, I'm trying to help you first service, first service, New Year's Day. 
We have to resolve in our hearts and in our minds that we are going to seek God with all of our hearts, not half our hearts, not a quarter of our hearts. Am I right about it? With all of our hearts, something that you do. Now, look at verse 13. Again, Paul says, brethren, look at it. I do not count myself to have apprehended. I want you. I think I asked you to underline. But one thing I do. I draw your attention to Paul's words, one thing. Paul was a specialist with singleness of purpose. Paul focused on one thing, so did David. David in Psalm 27, verse 4, one thing if I desire, can y'all read this with me? One thing if I desired of the Lord, everybody read it with me. One thing if I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold. That's so good. That's so good. It's so simple. Isn't it? One thing, not many things. A lot of people nowadays are caught up with many things. Many things. Instagram, Facebook, social media, Snapchat, uh, tick tock or is it talk tick so many things going here and going there and doing this and doing that Paul says David says both one thing David said one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple you know what that means that means David said I want to go to church David says, I want to go to church and I want to be in the temple of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. Question. So, Paul, Paul says, one thing I do. What was the one thing? Well, I believe Paul is talking about the desire to be everything that God wants him to be. Paul wants to do everything that God wants him to do. And Paul wants to go. You guessed it everywhere that God wants him to go. Now, watch this. Paul's singleness of purpose. Take your pen. Involve three actions. Really simple. Three actions. Number one, leaving the past, forgetting those things behind. Number two, living in the present. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. And then finally, looking forward to the future, reaching forward ahead. Paul's singleness of purpose involved three actions, leaving the past, living in the present and looking forward To the future. Saints, 2021, you gotta leave 2020 in the past. Somebody say amen. Leave the past. Here's a word of here's a word of wisdom for you. Leave the past in the past. That boy good. Leave the past in the past. Someone called this holy amnesia. Don't you love that? I do. Holy amnesia, saints, you got to let the past go. Somebody say amen and grab hold of the future. Not only let leave the past, but how about this? Let go of past guilt. Mm. Paul was a murderer, don't you know? Paul was a blasphemer, don't you know? Paul was a persecutor of the church. Stephen is the first martyr of the church. You'll find that in Acts chapter 7. As the Bible tells us that Paul was at the stoning of Stephen, consenting to his death. There must have been 
Keep in mind, they, they put Stephen in a pit. When they stoned someone, they, they stoned him with big boulders. Stoning wasn't like little rocks and little pieces of gravel. It was big boulders. And they dug a pit, Acts 7. They dug a, a, a deep pit, and they would put the person in the pit. And all the people, the religious folk, for, 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 for sake of conversation, church folk, would stand around the, the circle and they would all pick up these big stones and, and, and boulders and hurl them on the heads. Stephen, being the first martyr of the church, the Bible tells us when Stephen was in that pit and they were standing around, Paul the apostle comes up and they all take off their coats and their jackets and they laid them down around, around Paul. Why? Because of the blood that would spatter from the stoning, then that blood should not touch Paul. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's one 800 293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.